0: Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR Radio 710, The Talk of New York.
1: From Stan Laurel. What picture did Stan Laurel light his thumb in? Give you a brass speakwiggy with a bronze oak leaf palm.
2: Uh-huh. People keep
1: pretending that you're that you're educated. Ah, everywhere. Look, fakery, chicanery everywhere I look. Everywhere I look. Mendacity. Mendacity. Uh, is it is it my uh is it my is it my imagination or a Shepherd getting suave? I just uh you know, I am just asking a technical is it my imagination or is Shepherd getting more elegant? Well, you know, I just just thought I'd ask. Uh, speaking of elegance, uh, uh, before we get uh, too deeply into this, uh, we uh, tonight's show incidentally is about that subject. It's uh, it's really not quite elegance. It's uh, let's say put it this way. It's uh, yes, it is truly about elegance. Uh, ultimately, I suppose, if you want to look at it that way. Now, this may may uh, offend you. Now, elegance comes. Of course, it's in the eye of the beholder. Let's face it; like beauty, elegance is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, you know what's elegant to one guy is totally slob to another. So, six and who knows? Who knows where it's going to? You know who's uh, who's right or wrong. You can't be right or wrong in these matters of uh, conjecture and uh, opinion, really. But uh, there are some that are righter than others. All right. That's uh, that. We have to face that. I mean, any guy that walks around town with a pair of uh, shoes that look like bowling balls with laces and then he wears them with white cotton socks. That guy has got a lot to learn. Do you agree? Uh, the same guy will go to an elegant French restaurant when they start bringing the filet of soul, the Amandine. He says, hey, you guys got a cold Coke in there? Forget it. Uh, that, uh, yeah, well uh sometimes uh yeah sometimes uh i i one time I saw a guy, I was sitting in a French restaurant. you hear some great ones. I was sitting in a French restaurant, and uh at the next table is one of those little restaurants you can't really get away from your neighbor your little tiny table is about the size of uh oh you know about the size of a postage stamp there, and I'm sitting there, and the guy's sitting next to me, little candles burning, and I'm with this uh elegant girl, and he's with this uh girl and uh and uh, the waiter comes over to him and says, "Excuse me, monsieur, shall you, shall you look at the wine list?" At that point, the guy says, "Hey, yeah, yeah, hey, Claire, how about some wine, huh?" And she uh, says, "Yeah, yeah." And at that point, he says, "Oh, yeah, don't mind if I do, buddy." Now you don't call a, fre- a waiter and a head waiter, especially in a French restaurant, buddy. He says, "Yeah, don't mind if I do." And the guy gives him the wine list. Nothing naturally, of course, it was a wine list, and I mean a wine list that uh, maybe. Two or three hundred uh, various vintages were there. It was an elegant wine list, and the guy looked at it and he says, "Hey, Bunny, you guys got any Manischewitz, huh?" Well, at that point, uh, I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I just I felt uh, at that point I felt kind of, kind of, kind of embarrassed, see, because uh, the, the waiter, uh, his face colored, uh, you know, it had this elegant Gallic face.
0: We interrupt the Jane Shepard program to bring you this bulletin from the W.R. Newsroom. New York City Police Officer Joseph Garcia, who was shot while pursuing a burglary suspect in a subway station this afternoon, has just died at Bellevue Hospital despite surgeons' efforts for nearly six hours to save his life. The report has just come from the police. Patrolman Garcia was the third police officer killed in the last 23 days in the line of duty. Officer Garcia and his partner had chased the suspect into the subway after a burglary on East 8th Street. In an exchange of fire, the suspect was killed, Patrolman Garcia gravely wounded, and he died just a short time ago. Further details on the 11 o'clock news. We return now to the Gene Shepard program in progress.
1: It was a whole different... I, I realized that you just can't win. you got to keep fighting. Now, elegance is elegance no matter where you pick it up. And, uh, you know, to... Uh... To, uh, to Myron and his, his girl, of course, uh, Manischewitz is Manischewitz. It's the uh, way it goes. And so I, I uh, personally, I'm about to light my pipe here, if you don't mind. I don't smoke a pipe. I just light it a lot. Uh, why I do this, well, it adds a certain elegance. Uh, at, at, a, at one point in my life, uh, being a kid uh And all of us were a kid at one point in our life. You know, many kids were influenced by, say, uh, John Wayne or influenced by, uh, say, uh, Superman. Uh, I was influenced by Adolf Manjou. I was the only kid, you know, who used to watch Adolf Manjou the way he put on his gloves. And I used to try it. See, I had these gloves that had this uh, leatherette gauntlets on them with an Indian on the outside, and I used to, you know, with a fringe hanging down. And I used to try to put them on with the elegance and uh... so i come from a long uh... studied life of elegance and uh... social graces now for example i have a whole a whole collection of various types pipe you know pipes uh... of all types for example one of my favorite pipes is when i go to certain types of place like say when i'm going to nathan's for example i i pick the pipe for where i'm going i have a special pipe that looks like it's carved in the form I bought it on 6th Avenue here. They used to have these joke stores down here, you know, where you could get whoopee cushions and stuff like that. You've seen those places? They used to have that. Uh, sneezing powder, exploding cigars and all. Yeah, the, the place where I used to buy all that stuff now turned into a porny joint. So they're selling another kind of bad joke. But uh <laughs> nevertheless, I uh, <laughs> yeah, uh nothing is more exciting than to see a whole bunch of those guys standing looking at those machines. You ever seen that? Yeah, hardcore. That's right. I saw a guy come out the other day, and he was—he, you know, it was like a feet, feet sticking out of an apple core, hardcore, all the way. And before we go any further, speaking of hardcore, this is a hardcore commercial station, and we mean them commercials, hit it. Sing it out, gang. Let's hear it.
2: Yes.
1: Someday you're alone. Someday you're alone. It's gonna be inevitable. Own. You're just gonna do it. Or later, you'll own General's. Generals. If you need a long mileage tire, get Generals 40,000 mile radial tire. The dual steel radio, built with a smooth riding radial ply body and two strong steel belts for puncture protection. That's General Dual Steel Radio, the first polyester and steel radial tire accepted by. Good old Detroit for original equipment use, and still popular. So see what radio tire performance can do for your old heap. Mount your dual steel radio tires today at your local General Tire Headquarters. Sooner or later, you alone, Sooner General. you alone generals General's. Sooner or later, you alone, General's.
3: This is Tommy Makeham. I'm sitting in the John Barleycorn, located at 209 East 45th Street, just off 3rd Avenue. The John Barleycorn is New York's first and most famous Irish singing pub. If you want a sample of what Irish hospitality is really like, you should come in and soak up the atmosphere. The hospitality is warm, the people are cheerful, and the service is just fantastic. They have an old saying at the Barleycorn. There are no strangers here, only friends you haven't met. And you can prove that to yourself by dropping in any time. You can have lunch, dinner or supper seven days a week. And a good time all the time. The food is fit for royalty and as a matter of fact, some of the recipes have been handed down from the courts of Irish kings. The John Barleycorn. The Irish Oasis in Midtown Manhattan.
0: You've probably taken a beating as an investor in the stock market in the last five years, and it hurt. But have you ever stopped to think about the other side, about what's happened to the people who worked on Wall Street? The guys who made big, big money as brokers, analysts, even partners in firms that were wiped out by the disastrous market. Well, New York Magazine financial reporter Dan Dorfman wondered. So in this week's New York, he interviews ten men who left the market and changed their lives. For some, Dorfman reports in New York, it hasn't been easy. Three years ago, one man was making $90,000 a year as a broker. Today, he's making sandwiches. For all, though, Dorfman reports, there's a rewarding sense of having survived a major life crisis. In this week's New York Magazine, there's also an article about the reason another man didn't survive his crisis, Richard Nixon. Nixon's senior speechwriter, William Sapphire, writes about the former president's war with the press and how it ultimately brought him down. It's all in this week's New York Magazine, and that's on your newsstand.
4: Rent going up? If you're 62 or older and live in a rent-controlled apartment in New York City, you may be eligible for a senior citizen rent increase exemption. For information and help, call Community Service Society 254-8900.
2: All right, let's all sing together. Come on. Outside, the rain was pouring down, big boy, felt honey blue. Outside, the wind was howling round, and she felt lonesome blue. Outside Outside, there, the thunder <laughs> crashed. She looked at him and sighed, though she knew it wasn't... You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to uh, I'd like to
1: organize. Yes, she did. Yes. A national cabal of DJs. You know, DJs are totally under the thumb of Variety and Billboard. I mean, they're, they're like cheap. You know, whatever Variety publishes a number one down to number 40, they they play, you know, even if they've ever heard it. I would like to organize a national cabal of DJs all over the country, every disc jack in the country, all of a sudden mysteriously starts playing this. charts. Number 14 and going up. So number 32 last week,
2: it's up Outside, to number 14. The moon was shining bright on our
1: small canoe. And within weeks, this thing would be an international smash bestseller.
2: All night, I felt like rowing too. Outside, the stream was very wet. She looked at me and sighed. Though I know you hate to pet, i got my mind all set. Either pet or get wet outside.
1: I mean, they just don't write stuff like that. Listen to that great piano. I mean, can't you just see Hoagie Carmichael sitting there playing the piano? This is Bugs Bunny on the sax. That's really cartoon music, isn't it?
2: There's an octopus playing the piano, you know? Outside, her husband had come back Unexpectedly <laughs> Outside, the began to pack He must have lost his key Outside, he shouted, who are you? <laughs> i you selling ice, I cry. I'm selling ice? Then he'll say, that ain't fair, cause we've got a frigid end. Sell your ice, sell your ice,
1: outside. Oh, very nice. You like that? Oh, that's nothing at all. I mean, see, that's what I mean by elegance. You've come to the right spot for it. That truly is. You know, if you collect Tiffany lamps, you can't help but dig that. This is WOR New York, the Tiffany Lamp Station. Oh yes, there's a certain turn of the century quality to our station that I, <laughs> do you agree? <laughs> Especially, you ought to see the equipment here. We're the only place that has a, that has a handmade brass control room. You know, it's right out, yeah, yeah right, and wind up turntables, best in the business. In fact, we're the only station that has to run back and forth from studio to studio with with the pickup head. I said the pickup head, the only one we got. That's right. But it's nice. It's a good one. We got it from Sears. And that has got a lifetime guarantee on that. And don't think we won't, tell, we were going to make them stick to it, too, boy. This thing gives out by the year 2284. Don't think it's not going to go back. Absolutely. And uh, you, you, may, uh, you may notice that uh, all the voices sound uh, rather odd and interesting on this station. Well, we're the only station that still uses the double-button carbon mic. Uh, this is a Western Electric 623, which uh, was designed very early in its day for shipboard use, you know, for hollering May Day into it and uh, sending SOS out. And it sounds pretty good, though, doesn't it, considering? I mean, it's a fantastic restoration job on this. We have teams of engineers working night and day to keep us on the air restoring the equipment. we got a guy down in the basement that makes tubes. And, uh, you know... (laughs) Oh, sure. Is that what? I mean, uh, we're we're preserving an art... We're really an artifact. And uh, it's, uh, you know, like the Winter Garden Theater and all that. Would you play another one of those current hits here, please? Hit the button. Another one of those current hits. And now, direct from Roseland... Yes, the ballroom where thousands of hearts meld. Thousands of hearts find true happiness. Roseland in the heart of the fickle city called New York. Yes, there is a place with a heart. It's Roseland. Come on down and dance and learn to do the tango. Down to the middle of Broadway, where folks meet and greet and enjoy each other's company. The elegant music of Ishka Bibble and his orchestra. just got... Yeah. Now, I have a set of lyrics to this, which uh, I have been debating for weeks now as to whether I should sing or not. Of course, you realize it would be Shepherd swan song forever. Because uh, I learned these lyrics, and... Uh,
5: oh, Susanna...
1: So I bring it up. But he ain't singing the ones I know. My hands are for See, this is the Reader's Digest version. Like many all the racy passages edited. Even the kids
2: can read it and enjoy it. It's, here, it's time we have it for the
5: It's time to the Susanna, the... take off that old bandana, dust off the old piano. <laughs> All right,
1: cut it out, cut it out. Now, stop it. This is not a, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Time for a commercial.
6: Emacy Park Close of 61 West 23rd Street in New York says, The trouble with advertising to you on the radio is that we can't show you the suits and the coats we have here. You can't feel the fabrics and enjoy trying on these striking-looking new styles. But we can reach you with this message, and the message is this. At Gramercy Park, you can get yourself a couple of new suits that look great, fit for you to wear with anyone in any company, and you won't go into financial shock when you get the bill. How come? No secret. After 78 years of selling men's clothing to stores, Gramercy Park sells clothing to you, and clothing at lower cost means better clothing for the money. Gramercy Park is open to 7, on Saturday to 6, and on Sunday from 10 to 5. That's Gramercy Park Clothes, 61 West 23rd Street, New York.
1: Once again, I want to tell you about the Blue Ribbon at 145 West 44th Street here in New York. Uh, I am delighted to observe that there is a resurgence of interest in German food. Have you noticed all these pseudo-German food restaurants opening up all over town? If you'd like to try the real thing, and I'm serious because I've gone to this place for years, ever since I've uh, been working here in the Midtown area. The Blue Ribbon is on 44th Street, right off of 6th Avenue, between Broadway and 6th. And they're open Monday through Saturday from 11.30 in the afternoon. By the way, they're packed in the morning there for lunch until midnight after the show. And you can get in and get one of these fantastic German sliced apple pancakes. Fantastic with that dark beer. Wow. This is the Blue Ribbon at 145 West 44th Street. And by the way, one little note of interest. Uh, German tourists who come to New York invariably head for the Blue Ribbon. You know what they say about Chinese restaurants, if you see the Chinese sitting around eating? Well, in the Blue Ribbon, real German tourists come in and sit down for a a dish of fine sauerbraten. This is the Blue Ribbon. Remember the name. It is an extraordinary restaurant, and it's about probably 50 years old or better. It's a great German restaurant. Blue Ribbon, 145 West 44th Street, Monday through Saturday from 1130 a.m. until midnight. And almost any time around 9 o'clock in the evening, you'll find me sitting in the corner drinking dark beer.
4: This is Consumer Affairs Commissioner Eleanor Guggenheimer reminding you that when you buy a new car, you're also buying a warranty. It tells you just what is guaranteed in the way of repairs on factory defects in your car. The warranty should be just as important to you as horsepower or luggage space. Warranties aren't all alike, and the difference could mean money in your pocket. Be sure you understand exactly what parts of the car are not covered by the warranty. Tires, for instance, are usually not covered. To keep the warranty valid, you'll have to have your car serviced according to a set schedule. Stick to the schedule and keep copies of work orders and receipts to prove that you have. Read the warranty and visit the dealer's service facilities. The better they are, the better your chance of getting prompt and thorough repairs. In the final analysis, though, a warranty is only as good as the intentions of the manufacturer and dealer behind it. Find out as much as you can about their reputation for honoring warranties. You owe it to yourself to get the best deal you possibly can.
1: Right. I knew you'd love it. Right. <laughs> all right. All right. Why I'm doing this tonight is it? Is it that I would like to salute an unknown newspaper. I don't know what paper it is. Somewhere in Connecticut, I think. I'm not sure, though. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if it is or not. One of my spies sent this uh, editorial out of a newspaper. Now, all of you are, are familiar with editorials, you know. But the cosmic view of existence is what an editorial is. We view with alarm the growing trend of the Middle East, you know, that kind of thing. That's uh, okay. <laughs> right out of their language, isn't it? It says, we feel that the president, uh, you know, it's... a. Uh, It's an editorial, but uh, he sent me this editorial, which I would like to salute. It's an editorial that I find uncommonly interesting, and uh, the editorial is entitled, How to Taste a Pickle. Well, wait a minute. Don't be so smart. Uh, You're you're listening to the original Pickle Maven. I love pickles. I really am a pickle freak. I love pickles in every form, shape, and, in fact, uh, if given my choice, if somebody said, uh, "Shepherds, you're going to have to give up all that great stuff," any kind of, yeah, would, uh, it, it, but uh, what would you like to be on a i you know, on a, on a desert island with and all? A case of pickles. <laughs> I mean, a pickle has so much to offer. It really does. Now here is the editorial: How to taste a pickle. I don't know what paper it is, but I'd like to salute them for showing remarkable foresight and great insight, particularly insight in this editorial, because there's, this, I think, a tremendous amount of ignorance about pickles. To the, well, there's just two kinds of people in the world, the people who understand pickles and the others. Are you a pickle freak? Oh, I'm sorry. You've missed a hell of a lot in life. Wine tastings are common, and general food samplings are not unknown. But did you ever try tasting pickles? This is the editorial. In many in any person's life there are certain desires that only pickles can fulfill that's true now I'm saying this is a, one of the rare foods that that it's it's itself if so if you know you're sitting there and you got a taste for a pickle you know you're eating a sandwich you want a pickle and uh, and and you call a guy over and say hey you got any pickles and he says no I don't have no pickles uh, and he says uh, how about a radish that's not the same thing a radish will not Substitute for a pickle. Do you agree? Pickle's a pickle. Physical desires such as the vague yearning of the tongue to be purged by the clean, crisp taste of a sweet gherkin. Oh yeah. Oh go man go. Also, there are emotional desires that are best answered by sinking the teeth into a fat, hot, garlicky, full, sour dill. Ah, incredible. Oh yeah. Listen, there was a a deli right up here on 7th Avenue that used to have a big plastic bowl in the middle of every table filled with dill pickles and pickled tomatoes. You remember that? Why, I saw a guy one time come in there and order a tuna salad sandwich and eat 34 pickles, and he took that great big plastic thing and drank the juice. And then he left with with all the pickled tomatoes stuck in his pocket. He just emptied the whole place out. Uh, he also drank two bottles of ketchup, too, on the way. But uh, nevertheless, listen to this. This is just beautiful. All right, then. Listen carefully now. There are emotional desires. That's true. It's an emotional desire. There are emotional desires that are best answered by sinking the teeth into a fat, hot, garlicky, full, sour dill. That happens to be my favorite. I mean, I like the garlic kosher pickle. That's a That's a pickle among pickles. Just like the ones grandma. What are you talking about, grandma? Grandma never had a had a pickle like that. But it's just like the ones grandma had in a crock in a pantry when you were nine years old. You don't know my grandmother, buddy. <laughs> anyway, he says, all right then. You know that the taste of a pickle is important. That's agreed. He says, and you agree that it has been long overlooked. How often have you been tempted to spend an afternoon going from deli to deli until you find just exactly the pickle that you have been hankering for? With attention and care, you can learn to find the pickle you need from the 96 types manufactured by Vlasic. Now, this is not a commercial. This is the editorial of it, see? How to taste the pickle itself. All right? For whole dills and gherkins... Uh, he's right. Now, all these are the etiquette of pickle-eating. For whole dills, that's the biggie, you know. They, they come they come sometimes up to 17 pounds. I've seen uh, a really a, a good dill pickle that you could have thrown a saddle on. Uh, for whole dills and gherkins, use of the fingers is not only permissible. He says permissible here, but I go further than that. I will say it's not only permissible, it's mandatory in a true pickle-eater's uh, lexicon of... Uh, of techniques of how it's done. Grasp the pickle in the middle between, that's correct, between thumb and middle finger. Do you know why? You grasp it in the middle, not the end, the middle. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit later. Although many sophisticated pickle tasters recommend the index finger. I'm not an index finger. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's pretty good. Holding it at eye level. Examine the shape, the color, and the texture of that magnificently warted skin. Right? Once satisfied that the pickle's outward appearance is exemplary, carefully bite off the end of the pickle. Don't, you know, just take a little bite up in. Do not concern yourself with taste at this moment. Correct. This is a man who knows. No, oh no. Taste. You are examining the inside of the pickle. You're trying to get the texture of it, see? Is the seed cavity large or small? Is the skin thick or very thin? Is the color, particularly in the case of bread and butter pickles, exactly the proper shade? Now, if it's too yellow, you know that they've added dye to it. It's a bad pickle. On the other hand, it can be too green and pale, which means that the pickle was not aged long enough.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Uh, does it does it hold a great deal of juice? The interior properties of the pickle are noted. You may bite into the heart of the pickle at this point, consciously noticing all of your sensations of taste. Savor it, just like you taste wine. Notice all the sensations of, of taste, touch, for pickle texture, and particularly smell. Very important in a pickle. Chew partially, just chew it partially, while savoring the juices. And then hold the pickle briefly in the middle of the tongue. Okay. In dills and peppers, check for garlic or hot taste. Aftertaste is important in a good pickle. Salt and sourness. Now, in sweet pickles, note the degree of sweetness, texture, and freshness. I will also add another thing. You should also look for a very important degree of tartness with the sweetness. A sweet pickle must have an underlying hint of tartness. Ah, that's beautiful. Now I'll tell you why you hold it in the middle. Now a good pickle, when uh, when bitten, should immediately squirt juice out the other end. Now if you've got it by the by your hand there, you're going to get a whole big puddle of juice down around your elbow. You don't want that. So a, a true pickle must provide what we call what we call uh, ripeness and the exquisite seepage of a properly designed and aged pickle. Right now. I'm going to give you some other tips about pickles. (laughs) You want to know? Uh, I wonder how many people who are listening tonight enjoy pickle juice. That is one of the most misunderstood of of things that people buy. Do you know that pickle juice out of say a good, uh, particularly a good sweet and sour pickle, once you eat the pickles, that pickle juice is extremely valuable. And I'll tell you what you do with that juice. If you ever make say for example a uh, good example would be if you're making, let's say, tuna salad. You're going to make a tuna salad. You, do, you ever do this? Now, most people make a tuna salad. They put a little mayonnaise in it, you know, and they put a little salt and pepper, maybe a little onion. Let me let me give you a suggestion. When you make that tuna salad, you put your mayonnaise in there, right? Make it just like you're ordinarily making it. A little salt, a little pepper, some very finely cut up uh, onions. You mix it up. Maybe a little uh, uh, cut up uh, green pepper possibly in it, right? Then add a few tablespoons of sweet and sour pickle juice. Mix it up, and it makes a fantastic tuna salad. Okay, now that can be also applied to various other things, chicken salad as well. Uh, <laughs> it could be it could be applied. Interestingly enough, by the way, to potato salad. Uh, and and even more interesting in some ways, uh, you can make a very fine uh, salad dressing. Using that, never thought of it that way, did you? Now, if that pickle juice is is, uh, is is very pure, beautifully, it's it's aged. It's a it's an aged sauce, and uh, and pickle juice like that. You can take regular pickle juice, for example, like uh, a garlic pickle juice, out of a good garlic, well aged dill, and try mixing that once in a while with your hamburger. Just a couple of teaspoons of that in a in hamburger when you mix it up, you know, and you're putting in the uh, putting in a little garlic, possibly a little, a little Tabasco sauce is also excellent in a hamburger. You know what Tabasco sauce is. Now many people don't use it here up north. They don't know what good Tabasco sauce could be used for. But a uh, two or three drops of Tabasco sauce in scrambled eggs, friend, makes a scrambled egg that whistles Dixie. <laughs> I can tell you, <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> this is commercial time. What do you say? Time
0: Magazine. What's in it for you this week? Cover story. President Ford's risky plan to stop the slump. Immediate
1: tax relief, long-term tax relief, and a big jump in the price of oil. Ford's economic energy package is nothing if not comprehensive. But will it work? Time analyzes what will happen if it does and if it doesn't. And Time itemizes the Democrats' counter-proposals on everything from tax rebates to gas rationing.
0: Also in Time this week, 20 other departments full of ideas and information. In the world, gun and olive branch strategy in the Middle East. A triumph for the moderates in China. The Jackson An amendment and a serious blow to detente with Russia. In art, an appraisal of Robert Rauschenberg, 50-year-old
1: enfant terrible of painting. In behavior, the strange underground odyssey of radical feminist Jane Alpert. In show business,
0: a look behind the reticence of Robert De Niro, the young Don of Godfather II.
1: Plus reviews of three new books, three new films, all in time this week. News you can think about. Talk about. News. Every week around the world, more people get their news from time than from any other single
3: source. Pick up your copy today.
5: Just across the causeway from Miami, there's an island so beautiful, we call it the Caribbean Island in Florida. Its name, Key Biscayne. And on this island is a very special resort, the Sheridan Royal Biscayne Beach Hotel and Racquet Club. On a dazzling white beach, surrounded by crystal blue waters, here you'll find luxurious rooms, private terraces, and ocean views. Continental cuisine served in elegant restaurants, ten tennis courts, four lighted-for-night play, two swimming pools, and a superb 18-hole championship golf course just to drive away. A vacation at the Royal Biscayne is a refreshing experience on a delightfully informal island with all the excitement of Miami Beach nearby. Your travel agent can help you plan a Royal Biscayne hotel vacation on Key Biscayne. Or call us toll-free at 800-325-3535 for reservations and information. That's 800-325-3535.
4: Remember how good you felt the first time your child read to you? There are many children who can't read and don't have anyone to help them either. There are children who can't read English because they can't speak the language. As a school volunteer, you could change this. Give six hours a week and work with a child who needs help learning to read or speak English. We'll give you training and materials, plus the reward that comes from watching a child learn. Call the school volunteer program at 563-5620. Well,
1: now, I'm not, I'm not uh, kidding uh, about pickles. I think pickles are, are, uh, are one of man's more noble creatures. And, uh, and I come from a part of the country where the pickle is a king. You think they're, you think they're big in New York let me tell you this uh, up in Michigan and uh, in northern Indiana this is great truck farming country you know, they 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 grow all kinds of of uh, celery cantaloupes and and that's truck farming as opposed to the big time farming where they grow wheat and corn a truck farmer will grow uh, all kinds of uh, cucumbers for example he'll grow radishes and stuff and they have these tremendous truck farms northern Indiana up through Michigan and at a certain time of the year Especially in the spring, when you would drive up uh, through Michigan, uh, southern Michigan, in the area around the old Kalamazoo and Dwajiac. These are uh, southern. That's a great name, isn't it? Dwaziak? It has a nice ring to it. They have all these great Indian names up through uh, Michigan, Dwajiac, Kalamazoo. And uh, when, you, when you get up around that area, at a certain time in the spring, and you have your car windows open, You can't believe the aroma. Tremendous aroma. There are these pickle factories up there. And they are making uh, sweet and sour pickles and dill pickles. And the factory, you just smell it. And the whole county smells like the greatest deli you ever saw in your life. (laughs) I'm telling you. And you you drive along there. And and another great smell, in case you've ever uh, run into this, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Again, it's at that time of the year. To drive along... Uh, through one of those, especially when it's hot out, so it gets real warm and the air is still, to drive along through fields of celery. You wouldn't believe the smell. You ever smell that, celery growing? Most people probably never saw it grow, uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a great smell. Another great smell, too, at a certain time of the year. People used to go out. You know how here in the east they go out to, uh, uh, to look at the foliage in the fall? Uh, but in uh, in that part of the country, people would drive out to get the smells, just the way we go out for foliage here in the east. And uh, in a certain time of year, for example, late in August and early in September, people would go driving out. And this was right in the area where I lived. They would drive out uh, to smell the cantaloupes, which were just coming into ripeness at that time. And if you ever smell the field of cantaloupes, you'll never forget it. I mean, it, uh, you can get bombed. Uh, you go out of your skull. The next thing you know, you're staggering around and yelling and starting fist fights and all that. Uh, <laughs> it's the smell of cantaloupes. Watermelon? No, watermelon doesn't do that. Have you ever seen a, a, a cantaloupe flower? A big flower that comes out? Uh, that's a that's something to see. And you see a whole field of cantaloupe flowers. A flower, of course, the cantaloupe grows on a vine, and uh, these these beautiful cantaloupes laying there. And the uh, the ones that you get actually in the store generally are not the ones that uh, that grow and ripen right there on the ground. Uh, sometimes a, a cantaloupe. Oh, you you you'll see a cantaloupe as big as a soccer ball. You know, a great big ripe cantaloupe. And you know how to eat a cantaloupe, how to how to how to pick a cantaloupe by 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 tapping it, at very part at various parts of it to know whether it's ripe or whether it's naturally ripe. But the pickle, you see, is another story. <laughs> and I remember one time uh, going into this big pickle factory up outside of Dwoshek, and they used to they used to have uh, tours. You know, you come back into this pickle plant, and uh, they take you in to see how the pickles are made. Well, they had vats, of course. You know, the pickles are all in there, and they're aging, these, these uh, all types of pickles. Thousands of kind of pickles. Some of the pickles you wouldn't believe, if you think 96 varieties is something, that uh, some of the factories out there, some of the the really elegant pickle uh, plants, I guess you'd call them uh, they make upwards of two and three hundred kinds of pickles, all kinds of gradations and variations, and many of them have numbers, just like when you go in to buy coffee you'll have a blend number thirty three d with a little touch of mocha. Well you could go into a really elegant pickle and you'll say i'll uh, have I'll have a I'll have a, uh, a garlic dill. I'd like uh, a number six medium. Now that's the number six refers to the 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 degree of tartness, the degree of uh, of garlicness, and the medium refers to the size. Now, if you really want to play it well, uh, you'll say, uh, "I want a, a number six medium uh, aged, please." Now, uh, that is a pickle. <laughs> that's a pickle that's been aged, say, uh, over, uh, over a year or something like that. And that's a pickle. I want to tell you, it's a sexual experience. I, I, uh, One day it's going to be illegal. It's just got to be. Uh, but uh, now, uh, if, if we would go through it, <laughs> are, you, are you finding this interesting? Well, you know, nobody talks about pickles much. And uh, the pickle... Uh, to a, to an aficionado of pickles, a real a real pickle maven, you know, it's, it really hurts him to 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 open up a, a you know get a jar of pickles at a supermarket, and it bears about as much relation to the noble pickle as let's say strawberry yuho bears to champagne. <laughs> they just you know there they are, there's little green things in there. That's about it, see. But the, a true pickle is a majestic creature. I mean, there's, there, there, and there's aroma and bouquet to it and uh, all kinds of subtleties to it. Now, have you ever had, speaking of pickles now, let's get a little bit of uh, a feel to that, but uh, some of the great pickle dishes, for example, of watermelon rind. You ever had really fine, well-conceived, uh, elegantly executed pickled watermelon rind? Oh, wow. Uh, on the other hand, how many of you have had a really good taste of of a true, uh, well, artistically consummated tomato marmalade, preserved tomatoes? Oh, it's a, it's I don't understand why this is a basic American dish, and incidentally, in Europe, in places uh, like uh, I was in, for example, England. In the gourmet stores, what do you think they were selling in the gourmet stores? Genuine American tomato preserves and marmalade. You hardly ever see it here. Yet they uh, import it from us, see? They get it from us. Uh, it's made with lime. It's, uh, it's made with lime and, and lemon peels. And wow, <laughs> it's something else. It's a dark, rich... Uh, uh, almost a burgundy red and there are tomato seeds in it and that is a tomato preserve. You mean you've ever had it? I'm surprised. Uh, all right, uh, that's... Uh, have you ever had... Uh, have you ever had pickled... It comes in sweet sour, also comes in kosher. Have you ever had uh, pickled celery shoots? Wow. Have you ever had pickled ears of corn? Tiny ears of corn. They make a tiny... You know, there's a little tiny ear of corn the baby ears of corn, where you eat the whole thing, cob and all, and it's uh, it's a little tiny ear. You've had those. Well, they come in various gradations. Uh, how about how about this one? One of the greatest of uh, of American dishes, which you rarely see here, unfortunately, in in New York, is lime, and I'm talking about key lime marmalade. Wow, that is something else, and uh, that's that's a beautiful uh, marmalade. Do you like marmalade? I'm a, I'm a real marmalade freak, and most people think only in terms of orange marmalade, but do you know that there is a sour cherry marmalade that is exquisite? <laughs> it really is Now you talk about American dishes and, and and the Michigan. Another thing you used to get in Michigan at a certain time of the year in northern Indiana, but mostly Michigan. you drive up there and uh, this was uh, this was uh, always in the fall. Now you know that here in the east in the fall you can always get really good cider. Apple cider is a fall dish, correct? Well, I happen to be a cider freak. Uh, cider freak, uh, you know, really great ciders. Uh, good apples, a good, really good apple cider. You can get, you can get the unpasteurized apple cider, for example. Oh wow, that's something else. The cloudier the better, by the way. Most people think the clearer. The, you get this cloudy, beautiful apple cider. But you know what you'd get in Michigan, which you don't see here: cherry cider, a cider, not cherry juice, cherry cider, a cider made out of cherry. And that's not all. Have you ever had peach cider? Oh. And all these ciders, of course, if you if you let them go properly and handle them correctly, they turn into a thing called, say, for example, hard cider. And the uh, hard cider. Uh, that's, that's another ball game. I've had hard cherry cider, and hard cherry cider has to be one of the world's great aphrodisiacs. Uh, oh, uh, hard peach cider, and of course there's also apricot cider. Uh, these, uh, you know, I don't know why I'm laying this on you at this hour, when all that's open is the White Castle. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, but, ah, the noble pickle. Ah, the noble gherkin. Somebody had to say something about that creation. I, I don't think God. Uh, there must be a God that there's a pickle. I, I I you know I'm just that way. I this is religious experience. I told you this show was about elegance tonight, right? I don't kid you. Oh well. It's WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation. Mobile Oil Corporation presents In Conversation, a series of discussions meant to enlighten and involve you, the listener. Tonight,
0: our host is the distinguished film critic, Arthur Knight.
3: Evening. In recent years, it's become almost as fashionable to discuss the impending demise of Hollywood as it always has been to predict the death of that other fabulous invalid, the Broadway Theater.